Loved, cherished, comforted. Welcome to the podcast ministry of Our Resolute Hope, where you will find grace, not just a concept or a doctrine of grace, but a person, a person whose name is Jesus, a person who brings hope, a determined, resolute hope that can sustain you and empower you to live courageously in this fallen world. Join us now as we learn more about Jesus, our Savior, our Lord, and our life. Welcome back, dear ones, and thanks for joining us today on the Our Resolute Hope podcast. John Russin here, my dear friend, Pastor Frank Friedman. Haven't seen you in a while, my friend. How are things going? Oh, they're doing pretty well, John. God is a great God in the midst of a not-so-good world. But God, we end on that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a, one of your favorite phrases. In fact, I think we did a podcast totally yes, devoted did. to that phrase, but God. Well, friends, if this is the first time you've joined us, Frank and I are chatting. That's kind of a kind word. We're meddling, really, <laughs> because we're talking about the command in Scripture to forgive other people. And Frank, mm. we've been talking about this for the past four weeks. And during this time, we've kind of laid a foundation for this scriptural command to forgive others, which we see in Ephesians chapter four. We talked about the need for forgiveness. We talked about mm. some of the confusion that arises around forgiveness, particularly regarding some verses that seem to portray forgiveness as conditional. Mm. Uh, we talked about what it means that God forgives us, and we talked about how his forgiveness of us is the standard for how we are to forgive others. But today, we're going to change focus a bit, my friend, and I'm going to begin by asking a couple of questions. And these are some of our favorite questions because they begin with the word, why? <laughs> mm, why yeah. does scripture command us to forgive? Why do we personally need to forgive? And I know many will say, well, just because God said so, but there's more to it than just rote obedience, isn't there, Frank? Absolutely. Of course, John, even in that statement, we've done this many, many times, but it's always worth doing it again. The key of a teacher, the mantra, of course, is repetition, 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 obedience. It sounds like rote conformity to an external code. Nothing could be further from the truth. Hupa kuo, to listen under. Obedience is an issue of intimate relational love between our God, who is a father, and us, who are his children. And it is really not so much anything to do with the code as to hearing the heart of our father, who tells us what is best for us. And then we follow his words. Oh, what wow. a beautiful picture. Your last phrase, Frank, what's best for us really captures, in my opinion, the heart of why Father gives us this imperative statement to forgive mm. others. Because as we'll begin to unpack in this episode and the several that follow, we're going to see a main theme that forgiving others isn't for them. Mm. It isn't for our offenders. It's for us. because wow, It's a revolutionary if, thought, yeah, John. <laughs> if we've been wounded, and frankly, all of us have, then forgiving our offender is the most constructive, redemptive, honoring, 
and loving thing we can do for ourselves. So when Father tells us to do this, he's really telling us the best path forward for our own good. So what a heart of a father that gives us a path forward. Now, I don't want to say it's an easy path. <laughs> it can be a very <laughs> difficult path, as oh, we'll yeah. learn as we chat through this, but it's for our own good. Wow. Isn't that true? Yeah, you know, John, it's a wonderful opportunity to learn the heart of God for us. As you noted, so many of us have our offender in view when the topic of forgiveness comes up. And when we have been hurt, and sometimes hurt very, very badly, the thought of forgiving an offender makes us cry out and say, no, forgive them after what they did to me? Are you out of your mind? But to hear Father God saying, oh, my son, oh, my daughter, this is for you. I think, John, that the essence of forgiveness is this thought. We can't change what was done to us. God gave all of humanity free choice, and some humanity will exercise that free choice for not so good things. And so we can't change what they chose to do to us, but we have the opportunity to change what we do with it. And God wants to use that evil to bring about ultimate good in our lives. That's the kind of God he is. And this is the process by which we can find how good he is. And personal experience, the transformation in our own lives that he has intended for us through this wonderful gift called forgiving. That's right. You know, some years ago, Frank, many years ago, actually, I can't even count back that far, when you and I were first wrestling through and learning about forgiveness, we ran across this quote from Corey Tenboom. Mm. Okay, you remember, remember everybody that. remember Corey Tenboom, Nazi concentration camp survivor, lost her sister there at Ravensbrück camp. She was released, and afterward, God gave her an amazing ministry to other concentration camp survivors that was focused on forgiveness. And this is a quote from Corey Tenboom. She said, those survivors who were able to forgive their torturers eventually, again, the word eventually, time is required, eventually were able to return to the outside world and rebuild their lives no matter their abuse. Wow, what a statement. But those who nursed their bitterness remained invalids. You know, wow. this is a powerful statement, isn't it, Frank? Oh, John, I think at the heart of this is this thought, and I think it comes from the enemy, that if we forgive these people, we're letting them get off scot-free. And there's two great lies being told by the enemy there. One is that they're going to go free, and that's not true. Our God is a God of justice. He sees, he knows, and he has promised to deal with those people and to deal with sin. The second thought 
and it's a lie, John, is that somehow by holding on to the offense, we somehow get this perception that we're getting back at them. But what we're really doing is having ourselves for lunch. They oftentimes go on with their lives and don't even give us a second thought. But here we are thinking about that offense hour after hour, day after day, and letting what they did in the past be paraded into the present so it happens all over again in our mind. And that's the tragic lie, John. We're not getting back at them. We're destroying ourselves. That's right. Well, as we journey into this interesting path, painful path, I want to begin with this thought, Frank. And this is one of the first reasons that we have received the command from Father. We must forgive others for the sake of our own personal holiness, to Mm. keep us from falling into sin and to help us maintain an intimate walk with our Father. Now, this might seem odd, but there's really a verse for this, Frank. It Mm. comes from Ephesians 4, 26 and 27, and the apostle writes this, Be angry, but don't sin. Don't let the sun go down on your anger, nor give place to the devil. Now, this is an amazing verse, Frank. Of course, it has several commands, especially beginning in verse 25, be honest, tell the truth, be Mm. angry. And this is interesting. We'll talk about this. It's okay to be angry, but here's the warning, the balance. We mustn't let the sun go down on our anger, because if we do, we give the enemy a foothold. So that's kind of the comprehensive thought of these few verses in one sentence. But I want to begin with this softball question for you, Frank. Many people, especially many in the modern church, think it's wrong to express anger. But it isn't Mm. really, is it, Frank? No, John. And I think if we could, let's go even further back to when you stated that it's for our own holiness. And I think sometimes we get the idea that holiness is walking around with your hands folded your head bowed, you're walking three feet off the ground, and there's this holy aura glow around your head. And that's not the idea of the word. The word holiness is best defined with some synonyms, rightness, correctness, the path that God himself walks on. So it's what we were designed for. So we need to respond to offense, to sin, uh, the same way God does. And God is angry against sin. And John, you're exactly right. I think so many people kind of have the thought that, well, it's okay for God to be angry, but not for men to be angry. And boy, this verse that you just read dispels that very clearly and very strongly. There are things we need to be angry about. In fact, let me put it this way. As I've been studying the Bible for 40 years, I see two supremely angry people, one in the Old Testament and one in the New. In the Old Testament, there was a pretty angry guy named Moses. And in the New Testament, there was a pretty angry guy, Paul. 
And yet, as both of their anger was brought under the harness of God, they accomplished individually more than anybody else in their respective covenants. John, we need to be angry because angry people will do something about what's causing the anger, which is sinfulness, unrighteousness, things that are wrong. We don't just sweep things under the rug. And my goodness, we've got the best example of that in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. Remember when he cleansed the temple, he was angry and he was there as the God man. And John, this is such a big point. I'm glad to have the opportunity to highlight this. So many people in the church think that Jesus came to show us what God was like. And that is, of course, exactly true. But many people miss the thought that he came to show us what man was supposed to be like. He lived as man and he was angry at what men were doing to God's temple. And he did something about it and he did it without sin. So when we get angry, we got to be careful. We can have a fleshly anger, but we can also have a spirit empowered anger. And it's uh, not a good thing for the church to just automatically discard anger because God himself is angry and, in fact, calls us to be angry. And I think you mentioned, John, this was an imperative verb. Yes, sir. <laughs> a command. <laughs> yes, sir. That's what imperative <laughs> means. <laughs> it's interesting, John. I had a lady in counseling once who could not be angry against the man who had raped her because she thought it would not be Christian for her to be angry. And so you can guess the result. She wasn't free and was not going to get free until she owned the offense because there's a universal law. You can't give away what you do not own. And so as long as she lived in the illusion of no anger, she couldn't fully give away what had been done to her. But fortunately, she heard what we were saying and eventually became a really angry lady and then forgave her offender and entered into freedom. Yeah. You know, you can't forgive an offense you don't own. You know, we've said this many times, and I don't want to be grim and morbid about this, but we really have to step into the pain fully. Mm -hmm. acknowledge and feel the offense at our deepest emotional level. We almost have to let it hurt as much as we can, Frank, mm -hmm. and let it do, let it be as horrible as it really was. Receive it, let the anger come, and then forgive. Now, some weeks from now, we're going to talk about exactly how we are to forgive, mm -hmm. but this is like the first step, this getting angry. And I've lived a life, uh, I'm sure many people have too, where you're surrounded by friends and family members who don't do this, Frank. Mm -hmm. And we tend to sweep hurts and offenses under the rug. We say, oh, she didn't mean it. You mm -hmm. know how she is. But you know, the more offenses and hurts we sweep under the rug, the more our lives change into a complex 
dance to make sure we don't step on any of those lumps that are <laughs> hidden. Oh, you know, well, so-and-so is coming tonight. I have to make sure not to talk about this and this and that other thing. And mm. so the goal of our lives changes from walking in freedom to not offending people or mm. not bringing up old wounds. And Frank, over the many years I've watched this, this is sadly where I've found many believers uh, doing this crazy dance of codependency. Mm. And freedom and forgiveness are far from the conversation. We're just involved in this awful dance where we don't want to ruffle anyone's feathers or bring resolution to any hurt. And we wound up being peacekeepers and mm. not peacemakers. And uh, mm. I think there's a verse somewhere about a command about being peacemakers. <laughs> Another command. <laughs> you know, John, it's interesting, too. I think there's another twist to this. There's a lie that the enemy has sold to a lot. Well, he hasn't sold it. He's given it very freely uh, to a lot of people that it will hurt too much to embrace that wound. And there is no hurt that will ever be bigger than the grace of God to meet you in that hurt. And so we have to be very careful when we say to somebody, you need to receive it. Well, one, you need to receive it, as you said, because we can't give away what we don't own. But two, to remind them of the grace of God and the presence of God and the provision of God. It's not going to hurt too much. It might hurt like hell, but it's never going to hurt too much. John, when we believe that lie, we're going to avoid our pain. We'll anesthetize our pain. We'll do it through drugs, alcohol, sex, workaholism, recreation, anything we can do to avoid facing that pain. And when that happens, we'll never get free from it because we've never owned it. So we could never give it away. I remember John, a lady in counseling whose father had sexually abused her and she was angry. And in my office, I watched her forgive her dad. But over the next six, eight months, I observed her and she wasn't walking in freedom. And so I did pursue her. And I said, I, I think we need to talk some more about this. And she agreed and she came in. And during the time of our dialogue together, the Holy Spirit put on my heart. She had forgiven him at the level of anger, but she had never forgiven him at the level of hurt. And I challenged her in that because hurt is a much deeper layer than anger. And so I just asked her, would you be willing to receive completely the hurt your father caused you? She prayed that prayer. And I don't know if I've ever seen the Holy Spirit take somebody up on a prayer so quickly. She crashed hard. You know, it was one thing to be angry. He did this to me. But it was quite another to say, oh, my goodness, my father did this to me. And it was a greater wound, but she owned it. And after grieving, she gave it away in forgiveness. And I watched this sweet lady begin to walk in freedom. This is a, a powerful 
gift from God, John. And it's just tragic that the enemy has brought so much confusion into this arena. And I'm really glad that you've brought up this topic for us to discuss with our listeners. Yeah, what a great story. It truly is inspiring to hear the freedom that a father can bring when someone has the courage, and I use those words carefully, Frank, has the courage to trust father that he will keep his word. You know, he will restore the years the locusts have eaten, no mm. matter what the offense was. And we've been talking within the context of purposeful offenses, but you know, Offenses don't have to be purposeful, hmm. to be terribly painful. They can be accidental. Regardless, a wound is a wound, a car crash, hmm. any number of things that something happens and it's not someone purposing to do it, it can still be a terrible tragedy, an awful wound. And we need to go through the same exercise of owning it, owning the anger, owning the hurt, and then releasing it through forgiveness, it doesn't really matter where the offense came from. As I think I mentioned earlier, so many people say, well, you know, it was an accident. She didn't mean to do it. All of us have raised kids and we know about how these things happen. But, you know, when your child breaks a, a 200-year-old family heirloom, it's a loss, you know, even yeah, though it was it accidental, it's still a loss. <laughs> it still requires grieving and anger and then release through forgiveness. And so the process isn't just focusing on the life-changing, brutal wounds we can receive. It covers all, doesn't it? And with that, I'm going to ask you to wrap us up for today. I was reminded in my mind, listening to you, you said earlier Actually, forgiveness is a very simple thing to understand biblically, but it's not easy. It's hard work. It requires a dependence upon the Holy Spirit. It requires fully embracing the wound, and, and that will sting. But you do heal because Father's promised it. What I had come to my mind was your own statement, my goodness, John, 35 years ago, I heard you make this statement after forgiving someone. You said to me, it was like going through surgery without anesthesia, but the surgery got done. Those are great words, my wow. friend. Wow. You know, I don't even remember saying those words. I don't remember the offense. I don't remember how I felt. And I guess that's a testimony of how complete the healing can be when mm. we dare to trust our father. So I'm trusting you that you remembered correctly because of the long list of offenses I had to go through. I'm sure there was something that was absolutely grievous. There were many, but you know, I'm free of them now. It just makes all the difference in the world. You can begin to just take that deep breath and go peace, rest, joy, life, and freedom. I now can enjoy in abundance because of what Jesus Christ has done for me and because of what he has commanded me to do in forgiving those who wound me. Wow. Great mm. word today, my friend. Any last quick thought before I wrap us up? And John, yeah, I would have one. And that is, that's a beautiful gift God gave you that you don't even remember that very powerful statement. 
But this is what I would add. Even if somebody is not given the gift of forgetting, but they continue to have the memory, they can still live in the joy, peace, freedom, rest, and abundant life through the knowledge that they have forgiven and they are free. Well said. Thank you. Well, friends, you've been hearing Frank and me chat about a meddling topic, a painful topic, forgiving those who wound us. And we're very grateful that you joined us today. We trust, as we do each week, that the Holy Spirit will place into your hearts and minds the thoughts that he wants you to have, that he will draw you to himself and lead you to a place where you too can forgive offenses uh, that have been done to you and you too can begin to walk in freedom. We encourage you to go to our website. And if you've liked what you've heard, if you like what you see, hey, if you'd like to support this podcast, go there. You'll find lots of information, including a donate button on the top of the page. You can go there and click and contribute as Father Leads. There on that website, you'll find lots of different resources, all centered on the incredible truth of Jesus Christ as more than our Lord and more than our Savior, but as our very life. Of course, follow us on all of our social media platforms. You'll see us on Facebook, on Instagram, on our YouTube channel. And as always, we close with the very same reminder that we have a hope as an anchor for our souls. It's a living hope, a resolute hope, a blessed hope. So today and always, no matter what the hurt is and what you're going through, choose hope and choose Jesus. Thanks for listening. We trust that you've seen Jesus today. And you know that no matter what you're facing, He offers you Himself, His own life. He wants to live His life with you, in you, and through you as you trust Him and walk by faith in this troubled world. You've been listening to Our Resolute Hope Podcast. For more information, find us online at OurResoluteHope.com and check out our social media channels under the name Our Resolute Hope.